morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 32, and please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Psalm chapter 32. This is God's Word. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And this is God's word. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I remember the quote of one of my favorite Old Testament professors at Trinity over a decade ago. He used to say, before clarity must come cleansing. Before clarity must come cleansing. And when I was studying in the area, again, over a decade ago, at Trinity in the north suburbs of Chicago. We, of course, got a lot of cold, icy, wintry weather, much more than I was accustomed to. I grew up, as many of you guys know, in Virginia, in the mid-Atlantic region. We had four distinct seasons. The winters were cold, but not that cold, and we didn't get too many snow or ice storms. And so it took me a while to adjust to all the nastiness of the Midwest winters. It was really hard to drive. I had a, a Ford Explorer, I think, and I would run out of uh, windshield wiper fluid a lot. And I'm from Virginia, so I would just waste it as much as possible and then get caught in a storm. Now, this is before we had smartphones and good GPS devices. And so because I couldn't see well, I would then navigate by memory or try to stick my head out the window to see. It was kind of comical. Head out the window. If my classmates saw there, there goes Robin again, you know, without the windshield fluid. Driving from Brown's Fried Chicken. <laughs> Thank you for the recommendations last week, by the way. And of course, driving that way could get you in trouble. It was ridiculous to drive that way. So I'd have to stop by and fill up with more windshield fluid so that I could actually see again on the road before clarity must come cleansing. Similarly, in the spiritual walk with God, we somehow put ourselves in situations of danger and hazard all the time. We trust in things that are familiar other than God himself and use them as a spiritual crutch. So what actually happens when we ignore the warning signs and trust our own judgment, oh, just based on my memory 
oh, I can get through. Well, as the title says, that's when you start to wander. When we turn the blind eye towards sin, not the sin of others, but our own sins. Our clarity becomes muddy and we begin to drift. We essentially cut ourselves off from the wellspring of God's mercy and forgiveness. Not that God is restraining his mercy and grace from us, but rather we run away from him, hiding, drifting, backsliding. A wonderful metaphor and picture of this is in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and, and following. A good image of this. And when that starts to happen, we let our inner voice start dictating to us all sorts of things. Either resentment self-pity, or perhaps your heart overwhelms you with self-guilt and reminds you of all the wrong you've done over and over and over again, or perhaps you find yourself in a season of just intense dryness before the Lord, spiritually. Then all this in our mind inundates you with thoughts that you're worthless or that you'll never get out of this rut that you find yourself in. I'm sure we've all experienced this battle in some very palpable, very real way. So how can we prevent this from happening? Well, as the wonderful Welsh preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones in the 1960s, a famous preacher in London, says in his book, Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Cure, which I highly recommend you read, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, you need to speak to your inner self instead of just letting yourself be led astray in darkness and despair. You need to be the one speaking to your soul. He writes, and I'll, I'll quote this excerpt. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? He says, take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. He says, they bring back the problem of yesterday, and etc. He says, somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment was this. He's speaking about Psalm 42. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, he asked. His soul had been repressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you, end quote. Martin Lloyd-Jones didn't discover some new method of bringing yourself back from wandering and self-affliction or the latest uh, self-help book at Barnes & Noble. He's, talking, he's taking this concept directly from the scriptures to speak truth to the soul. And today's Psalm, Psalm 32, is another example of speaking truth back to yourself. When we battle with thoughts of living and wallowing in sin or living a life apart from God and his mercy and grace, when we find ourselves drifting off the road because of the muddiness before our eyes, well, Psalm 32 is a famous psalm. It's written from King David and is a psalm of confession but also of thanksgiving and speaks to how a person can find true blessedness. It was the favorite psalm of the famous early church father, Augustine. And even on Augustine's deathbed, he had it written on the wall next to his bed this whole psalm to remind him to do what it says. 
and also as a comfort to him in his last days. And famously, he's known to have written, the beginning of knowledge is to know oneself to be a sinner. The beginning of knowledge is to know oneself to be a sinner. Not that being a sinner is what brings comfort, but the absolute remedy and solution to the sin problem that nobody can solve except through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, there is no hope without him. And so in Psalm 32, there are five sections. It's a bookend poetic psalm. What that means is that the positive statements or principles are stated at the very beginning and very end, almost like a shell to the inner. And so before we outline this passage, going back to my, the, the, the concept of before clarity must come cleansing, let me just quote one more quote from Paul Tripp, theologian and counselor of Paul Tripp, about this concept. He says, quote, Christianity isn't clean yourself up and run to God. He says, no, it's run to God and he will make you clean. Before clarity must come cleansing. It's not clean yourself up and run to God, it's the opposite, it's run to God, oh, and he will make you clean. And I think that's why Augustine says, yes, yes. This is the hope I hold on to. So let's run and turn to God. I encourage people all the time, when you're listening actively, also pray actively for me, for your own heart, for those around you. But let's run and turn to God, brothers and sisters, as we dive into this wonderful psalm. Well, today we have five sections to outline, and I'll repeat them as we go along. Number one, the heading, the principle is stated. That's verse one and two. The second heading is the personal example is shown. That's verses three through five. Number three, there's going to be a call to action, verses 6 through 7. The fourth heading is from verses 8 through 10, the warning and admonition. And finally, we'll, we'll conclude with verse 11, a final praise. And I'll repeat these as we go along. So let's look at the first section. The principle is stated in verses 1 through 2. The principle is stated. If you have your Bibles, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whom spirit there is no deceit. Now, what does the word blessed mean in the scriptures? Well, it's the epitome of being 